the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jake Johnson, and this is untethered live and i have covid 19 so if i fall out during the show just pretend i meant to do that it's okay i'm here to tell you that vaccines are safe and effective and they work 100 percent of the time and uh you know there's absolutely no reason you should not trust the government in all that they say and do but if you want to know how to handle it like a man you take one of those and you make it. That's how I did it, and that's how you can do it. Your body is designed to do these things. So, you know, work your way through it if you get it. You're going to get it. Everybody's going to get it. That's what pandemic means. Uh, it's not going away. It is the next flu. Uh, it'll be here for the foreseeable future, so, you know. Drink lots of water, take a lot of vitamin D, get some sunlight, exercise, and uh, cough a lot so you don't settle in your lungs. Other than that, you'll be fine, I think. I'm glad you're all here, and, uh, you know, I had to cancel Friday's gig because uh, I just didn't feel up to it. But when it comes to Bible study, you know how it is. Because of you good people who take the time to follow what I do, to follow my work and to listen to me, I am obligated rain or sleet or snow or shine. Bible study is always going to happen one way or another. That didn't go like I planned it, but it sounded good. What do we got going on here? April, hey baby, how are you? Welcome to the show. Glad to see you, love. Welcome. Chat. Much love. I have been reading all the books by John the Apostle. I am in Revelations now. That's a good set of books to read. He's a good author, and he had a lot of uh, insight into what's coming. I don't believe you, Kevin. Hmm. Well, believe him. Why would you not believe him? Nothing there about COVID. Just some other plagues. Well, it does use the word pestilence quite a few times. COVID, I would consider a pestilence. I'm glad to see you're on tonight. I'm glad I'm on tonight, too. I'm glad I'm able. Bourbon in large quantities helps. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. MVTV, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. Welcome to the show. Good evening. I hope you're well. We are at Outbacks, waiting for them to kill the cow and cook us a steak. Hey, I understand. I've been able to eat 
a little bit in the last three days. Um, I managed to get a sandwich down this afternoon. That's the first solid thing I've eaten since Thursday. I did eat a uh, thing of chicken noodle soup and some gruel. You know, the famous mama's gruel. You April, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it cures what ails you. It's uh, cornmeal soup mixed with a few little uh, special things. The cornmeal so it'll stick to your ribs and uh, the other stuff so it'll open you up. And uh, it'll, it'll make you better. It's good for you. So I managed to get that down. Now all that remains is a splitting headache. I feel like I called Mike Tyson a sissy to his face. Uh, I've had a splitting headache for three days. I see something's got it hooked in you. Yeah, I'm running a little bit of a fever, but most of it's gone. Uh, for two days, my joints ache. You know how you know how it feels when you bend over and touch your toes, and the backs of your legs burn. You know what I'm talking about. If you're not very flexible, if you bend over to touch your toes and you get that real tense in, in your uh, inner thigh and it burns back there, that's how my whole body felt for the last two days. Just aching, 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 and a headache, big as Texas. I haven't had any trouble breathing. It didn't, even, it didn't seem to affect my breathing at all, other than coughing and congestion. But the coughing helps, breaks up that congestion and gets it out. If you can stand it because of the headache. And when it hurts to blink, it really hurts to cough. You know what I mean? But uh, we're getting there. I'm almost through it. I'm through the woods anyway. I hadn't reached a clearing yet, but I'm getting there. Even COVID is bigger in Texas. Yeah. I did not eat for almost two days when I had COVID and pneumonia. I ended up in the hospital. I hear you, brother. I know I remember when you got sick. That was bad. I'm glad you made it through that. Uh, I didn't have pneumonia, but see, the reason you got pneumonia is because you laid on one side too long. If you'd have flipped over every hour, you could have avoided that. Maybe. I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass, but most of the time, pneumonia co comes from f fluid settling in your lungs, and that's why... In the hospital, they come in and turn you every hour so that you don't get pneumonia. I'm scared. What you scared of? It's hot in here all of a sudden. Y'all excuse me for a minute. Let me turn some heat off. I'll be right back. Look at this while I'm gone. It's amazing what these lights will do for temperature in just a minute or two. It's really hot. Whew. When in the hospital, only eat the ravioli. It was good. All else was hospital shit. I hear you. MVTV says, I was waiting for something that damn balloon flew directly over, according to the news. Yeah, isn't that something? They let it fly all the way across the United States, and they shot it over, shot it over Carolina, 
I'm assuming North Carolina. They didn't say which. They just said Carolina. But uh, all the military bases are here in North Carolina, so I think this is where they did it. You'd think if that was a real thing, they'd have shot it as soon as they had detected it. Instead of letting China get a good look at the United States. Just don't make no sense to me. Hospital food was delicious. Yummy. Yeah. Hospital food is bland and has no flavor. By design, they don't put any salt. They don't put any seasoning. They don't put any fat. It's all bland so that nobody can be offended by the food. Of course, that's offensive. <laughs> now the big question. If the balloon moved on, then what the hell did I shoot down Saturday? <laughs> don't know. Probably another balloon. It might have been Korea's balloon. You never know. It's a, let, let me tell you what my theory is. You guys have grown to trust me, I think. So trust me when I say this. Things like that, pay attention to it. But just a little. Don't take your eyes off everything else because this is how a magic trick is done. Look over here while I do something over here. The big thing that you're looking at is usually to distract you from the little thing over here. I'm assuming that because everybody's eyes were on that little round balloon that some shady shit was going on behind the scenes that they didn't want you to notice. And they're coming out every day with new information. I learned today that the CIA was behind some of the uh, um, rollout of the uh, narrative of the you-know-what that I have. And why would they be involved in it? Well, it's because it's propaganda. It's there, to, it's there by design to cause you to act a certain way. Most of what's going on in the world is a version or some version of trying to turn you against somebody else so that you can be controlled more easily. Controlled by what? For what? Your guess is as good as mine, but I assure you that's the game being played. It's misdirection. That's right, MBTV. And this is the clown world, and now all bets are off. That's right. You got to be careful in today's society. And you got to be aware that everything is bullshit. All of it. Everything. Everything you think you know. Every established idea that you think you have of how this world works is just surface. It's a facade, the whole thing. There's always something underneath it. It took me a long time to get to that point. I started out as a scientist believing in science until I started noticing things. Namely, that when I asked certain questions, I got no answers. And then if I kept asking, I got blackballed. Can't ask questions like that. Why? I thought this was science. I thought that was the point. Well, it is, unless it's about this. Well, that's not scientific. Well, stop talking. Okay, well, I guess I can't consider myself a scientist then. 
I can't do it because the whole point is to understand. And if you can't understand, you're not learning anything. Which is why I firmly turn my sights towards the Bible, because it's the only thing that when I ask it a question, it gives me an answer. Every time. I hope that's a sufficient. Though I do believe this balloon was a discreet incident designed as a giant FU to USA and the buffoon in chief or the other show or other show. Then it's handled in the usual BS ways. I couldn't tell you what happened. I couldn't tell you if that's a real Chinese balloon or if it was put out there by us. But I can tell you that if it was a threat, it would have never made it to California, let alone North Carolina. It made it all the way across the United States while people were reporting of, about it on the news. I heard about it all weekend. Tracking, There were people tracking it. Well, why are you letting them get a good look of America if it's a threat? Why would you even let them look? Let them fly over all the military bases and get a good idea of the layout and then shoot it down. You know that thing's transmitting, right? If it, in fact, is a spy balloon, it's transmitting, which means they've already got the information that it's seeing. So why would you let it continue? Makes no sense. It's not a threat. That's the only thing that does make sense. What its intended purpose was? couldn't tell you you'll find out sooner or later because somebody will spill the beans and somebody will start talking about it and when it's all said and done and whatever they were trying to do to start with is accomplished then it'll come out it's one thing you can count on about wicked people is that they have to say what it is that they're doing for whatever reason that seems to be the rule the devil has to tell you he's after you a chinese spy balloon only means one thing Chinese are spying directly on MBTV and me. Of course, we are evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they can spy on me all they want. They ain't going to find out much. I rarely leave the house, let alone have anything nefarious going on. I don't care if it's a birthday balloon with a Pokemon doll hanging from beneath. It's a slap. Shoot it down immediately. A lot else must be going on. That's what I'm saying. I mean, immediately, as soon as you detect it, start shooting at it. That's what I would do. I certainly wouldn't let our enemies be spying on us. Be one thing if it slipped through the cracks and we just noticed it's there halfway across the United States. But they knew about it before it ever got here. We have defense mechanisms in the ocean that detect things coming aboard, abroad, coming from abroad, from ground level on up. You can't fly into America in, in anything without being detected. So, go figure. And by the way, just inland from California, there are some pretty serious secretive military stuff going on there at about somewhere around Nevada and, you know, that area, Arizona, somewhere in that area. There's some pretty secretive stuff happening there. I don't think 
that they would let a spy apparatus fly over that area without being precautious for any reason. They won't even let civilians walk down the road that is connected to that base. Why would they let a Chinese spy drone or balloon or whatever the hell it was fly over it? It's beyond me. The Chinese legitimately may not have had any plan besides, hell, let's just float some over and see what happens. It has to be funny. Could be. It's also possible that Chinese had nothing to do with it, that it was entirely a gaff, like it's our balloon. That's possible, too. <laughs> On the side of the balloon, it said, made in China. <laughs> you gotta stop. P.S. Because of this, I confirmed this country. Powder River, southeast of Billings, is 3,928 square miles. The entire state of Rhode Island is 1,214 square miles. Hmm. I don't know what you're getting at there, MBTV. I can't stop laughing, says April. That's because these guys are hilarious. They're, they're going to have to do the heavy lifting tonight because I can barely hold my head up. It's all I can do to do this thing, but I'm going to do it. I'm committed, or I should be committed, one or the other. You could have shot down a fleet of those without hitting something, per excuse. Gotcha. Is that what they're saying? They didn't want to shoot it down because they were scared it would hit something? Ridiculous. <clears throat> they drop ice out of airplanes on a daily basis. The, you ever heard of the blue ice? It's the what's in the toilets. They drop that out of the back of the plane. They do it every day. Sometimes it lands in places where people live. Hardly ever hits anybody. Asteroids fall every day. Most of them land in the ocean. I swear this valley alone could be a global freaking Zeppelin parking lot. Yes, that was the big reason or excuse madness. It is madness. It's a balloon. What's it going to hurt if it hits something? rubber most of it will disintegrate when you shoot it the only thing left would be the camera or whatever apparatus they were using to send back information and that would probably land in the woods somewhere for that matter why didn't they just fly over it with a helicopter and capture it which they have done before and can do Apparently, it wasn't flying that high. They were able to take pictures of it. April says, everybody who's here, welcome, and make sure y'all hit that like button. That's right. Hit the like button and press the subscribe bell icon. 
just press all the buttons. All right. It is that time, so let's get busy, shall we? Shot down with a $400,000 Sidewind missile. Expensive. Is that what they used? Could have done it with a 12-gauge. Could have flew up to it by, beside it with a helicopter and shot it out with a 9mm. I swear people are stupid. It's a balloon. It's not going to outmaneuver you. Not going to fly away. Biden wanted to shoot it down Thursday. At least he thought it was Thursday. He gets confused. Yeah. Was flying at 60,000, then 10,000 feet above, or 10,000 feet above operational ceiling of an F-22. Hmm. Well, and how were they able to get such good pictures of it? The zoom ain't that good on a camera. 60,000 feet? Commercial airliners fly at 32,000 feet. 32 to 35. So that's double. So we're talking about a near the edge of space weather balloon. Mm. We hear off the record that if one drifts over Montana again, our governor will shoot it down with an air guard. It was lower over some places like Montana. Maybe, I don't know. I might just be talking nonsense, but it seems to me like there's an easier way to do it than to shoot a missile at it. Maybe I'm just incorrect. That has happened. Not likely, but possible. It's a balloon. I could have taken it with my BB gun. Yeah, if you could get to it. Apparently it was higher than you could reach. So I hear when I whined about using a missile... But the news reports had it around 50,000 while other aircraft had to avoid it. Well, if other aircraft had to avoid it, it wasn't at 60,000 feet because other aircrafts fly at half that. They don't go up higher than that. Unless they're like experimental planes or or uh, the Blackbird or something like that. Regular airplanes don't fly higher higher than about 35,000 feet. So I've been told. I'm not an aviation expert, but I would assume that somebody's fibbing. Are you wanting me to get high? Yes. Yes, I am. Get high. Let's go down, shall we? Let's get some babbling in. While I still got it in me. Yeah. Yep, commercial airlines only fly at 35,000, maybe. Yeah, most of them is like 32. It had to vary altitude. One plane in the Midwest was noticing it at his flight level, so it had to go down. It couldn't have been up that high the whole time. But wait, balloon, balloon. Oh, okay. Not the reason 
we be here. That's correct. We are here to learn some Bible. Welcome to the show, everybody who's just joining us. I hope you're having a good time tonight. I hope you're enjoying the conversation. We are in the great book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 25. If you got your Bibles handy, crack them open and let's do some reading. (coughs) And now, the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow, turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me. This is similar to something Jesus said once when he told the apostles, How long shall I be with you? You have to learn to do these things for yourself because I'm not going to be here forever. Talking about casting out demons. So this is, in a way, allegorious of that. Only in this instance, we're talking about the evil that's coming from the children of Israel who are whining and complaining about their situation because life is so hard for them. Never mind that God has literally moved earth, literally parted oceans, literally fed them from the sky to keep these people alive and make them free. All manner of miracles, plagues, and uh, pillars of fire, and the whole nine yards, and they still have the audacity to complain about their situation. They want steak. They can't handle being fed manna, so we get quail, and then they want something better than quail because they get tired of eating the same old thing every day. Look, be grateful you got something to eat. That's what I'm saying. Say unto them, as, I, as, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. What you're saying to me, the, the murmurings, you're complaining at me, I'm going to do that to you. So be careful what you wish for. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. And all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upwards, which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Junipah and Joshua son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said, should be a prey them will i bring in and they will know the land which ye have despised this is god saying uh because you're such a pain in that butt i'm not going to let you make it to the promised land i'm going to walk you in the desert until you die but your kids will get there i'll make sure they get there the ones that you said that were going to die in the desert. Remember when they were whining about being taken out of Egypt? Did we get taken out of Egypt just to become prey in the desert? No. You got taken out of Egypt so that you could be free. Well, freedom has a price in its independence. You have to do things for yourself. 
you have to suffer the consequences. <laughs> but as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in the wilderness. You're not going to make it. You're going to die. And your children shall wander in the wilderness for 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. Not only are you going to die, but I'm going to keep them walking in the desert until you rot away, until there's nothing left, until you have completely decomposed. Then I will turn them and lead them into the promised land. And the only people that are going to make it are Caleb and Joshua. And Moses will get to see it, but he won't get to go there. After the number of the days in which ye have searched the land, even forty days, each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities, even forty years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. So, if I read this correctly, they're less than forty days' walk from the promised land, which is about, I don't know, I'd guess a couple hundred miles. If you consider a multitude of people moving in, in unison, it takes a little moving, you know, to get that many people in, in, a, in a direction. It's not like a single person walking. It takes a little more time. But they're not that far, is what I'm saying. They're basically walking in circles in the desert. If you look at a map, that desert ain't that big. So they'd have to be walking in circles because there's nowhere else to go. Either you're going to run into Arabia or you're going to run back into Egypt or you're going to run into the, the ocean. <coughs> I, the Lord, have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation, it being what he promised earlier, their wilderness, their carcasses falling in the wilderness. I will do it all. I will do unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed, and there they shall die. So, like I said, they will be completely decomposed before he will allow their children to go into Canaan. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land. In other words, he lied about what he saw there. Even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Junipha, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still because they didn't lie. The other guys are the ones that said, we look like grasshoppers to those giants. It's dangerous. We can't go there. And Moses told these cowards, he didn't say that, and Moses told these sayings unto the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. I bet. Imagine finding out that people that are in your congregation, your group, are lying to you about what what lies ahead of you. And that lie is going to ultimately cost your life because you bought into that lie and you went along with it. You wore your mask. 
because that's what everybody else was doing, because that's what they told you to do, because you believed them, despite common sense that says, if I can smell a fart, it's probably not going to stop a virus. The vaccines are safe and effective, and they work 100% of the time. And they rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain saying, Lo, we be here and will go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. You can, uh, you can try to take matters into your own hands, but you're not going to prevail. You're not going to get there because you've transgressed against the commandments of the Lord. He told you to do one thing, you did another thing. He told you what to expect, you whined about it. So getting up and forcing your way in and going, going your own way is not going to help you. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. Don't go. God hasn't led us there yet. If you go, you're going alone, not with God. And if you go, you're going to die. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you. And ye shall fall by the sword, because ye are turned away from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord will not be with you. Now, the thing you got to remember, every single time the Lord told Israel to go into battle, they emerged victorious and with e relative ease. They may have lost a few men, but they came out relatively unscathed every time they won. I don't care how big the prevailing army was. They could have been 300 against 3,000 or 300,000, and they still would win. But every time Israel decided to go to war because they wanted to, they lost. Well, that harkens all the way back to this time. If God tells you to go, you go. If he doesn't tell you to go, you don't go. It's as simple as that. And these people are trying to take matters into their own hands, even now, even in their present condition, which is being led through the desert, not knowing where they're going. What they do know is that there's a group of people in the land ahead of them, the Amalekites and the Canaanites, who are big-time warriors. And if they go in that direction, they're going to be killed by them. It's as simple as that, because God did not tell them to go yet. But they presumed to go up unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not, out of the camp. They're not going with you, buddy. If you go, you're going on your own and you're going to you're going to find out. Then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites which dwelt in that hill and smote them and discomfited them even to Hormah. They didn't stand a chance. The reason they didn't stand a chance is because God was not with them. God didn't ordain that fight. He didn't ask for it. He didn't have any just reason for it. 
They basically picked a fight with a much larger enemy for the sake of picking a fight. And they lost. So that this is hubris speaking. They literally thought they could do better than they did. They mistook the grace of God for their own greatness. The only reason they win at all is because God is with them. It has nothing to do with them. And sometimes that can go to your head. You need to be careful of that in your own life and know that you can't even draw a breath without God's permission, not one breath. Everything that affords you happiness, everything that comes your way, everything that benefits you is of God. And you need to be thankful for it, and you need to be aware of it, and not come to the conclusion that it's something you did that caused you to get it. It's not. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be come into the land of your inhabitants, sorry, of your habitations, which I give unto you, and will make an offering by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering or a sacrifice, in performing a vow or in a free will offering, in your solemn feasts, to make a sweet savor unto the Lord of the herd or of the flock, then shall he that offereth his offering unto the Lord bring a meat offering of a tenth deal of flour mingled with the fourth part of an hen of oil. A hen is a container or a measurement, usually both. ATL, what's up, brother? Welcome to the show. Yes, Numbers. Numbers 15.5. And a fourth part of an hen of wine for a drink offering shalt thou prepare with the burnt offering or sacrifice for one lamb. Or for one or for a ram thou shalt prepare for a meat offering two tenths deal of flour mingled with a third part of an hen of oil. And for a drink offering thou shalt offer a third part of an hen of wine for a sweet savor unto the Lord. So in other words, if you're going to make a meal, make a good one. <laughs> and when thou preparest a bullock for a burnt offering, or for a sacrifice in performing a vow, or a peace offering unto the Lord, then shall he bring with a bullock a meat offering of three-tenths deal of flour mingled with a half and hen of oil, and thou shalt bring for a drink offering a half a hen of wine for an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Thus shall it be done for one bullock, or for one ram, or for a lamb, or a kid, according to the number that ye shall prepare. So shall ye do to every one according to their number. All that are born of the country shall do these things after this manner. In offering an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. So this is just telling them how to prepare this new set of offerings in the new land. Even when Israel rebelled against God and Moses disobeyed God, God still kept his promise. Yes, he did. <clears throat> Albeit with some caveats, but he did keep it. And he always will. 
And if a stranger sojourn with you, or whosoever be among you in your generations, and will offer an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord, as you do, so he shall do. So, you see, even back then, Gentiles or uh, strangers were permitted to take part in worshiping God and being part of the whole thing. They just had to follow the rules. They had to do it like they do it. Uh, Jesus will make this um, a non sequitur where everyone will be able to come to the Lord without sacrifice because he becomes the sacrifice for one and all. Not necessary anymore. God enjoyed a good steak once in a while. Yes, he did. Noah's laws. One ordinance shall be both for you of the congregation and also for the stranger that sojourneth with you. An ordinance forever in your generations. As ye are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one manner shall be before you and for the stranger that sojourneth with you. One law. That's it. One law for you and for them. That means that everybody follows the same rules. There's not one rule for the Jews and one rule for the Gentile. It's one law. Boy, this is how they do it. That's how we're supposed to do it. I do Passover. And I had a friend I invited to partake with us one year. And she leaned over the table and said, um, pardon me for asking, but why are you doing this? You're not Jewish. I said, I don't have to be Jewish. Jesus said, take ye and eat and do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say, take ye and eat if you're Jewish and do this in remembrance of me. He was talking to everybody, which is why I'm doing it. Well, mainly I'm doing it because my mother did it, and I'm just keeping her tradition because it's a way for the family to get together and worship God on a day known as the Passover. But most importantly, God said to do this in remembrance of him, so I'm trying to do so. So do you have to be Jewish to do that? Well, not if there's one law for the Jew and for the stranger. It's the same law. So, you know, I'll read it again. One law and one manner shall be for you, the Jews, or the of the twelve tribes, one of them being Jew, and for the stranger that sojourneth with you. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land, whither I bring you, then it shall be that when ye eat of the bread of the land, ye shall offer up an heave offering unto the Lord. Ye shall offer up a cake of the first of your dough for an heave offering, as ye do the heave offering of the threshing floor. 
so shall ye heave it. So this is just like the previous heave offerings. Do it with dough instead of uh, uh, grapes or olives or whatever it is that they're threshing. <laughs> but a heave offering is done as a sort of a appreciative act. Hey, Bubby Watts, what's happening, brother? Welcome to the show. I'm I'm alive. I'm surviving. Thank you for asking. Um. So when you when they go into the new land, he says, when you eat from the bread of the land, when you harvest your wheat or whatever, and you make your grain into flour and you turn that into dough, take a part of that and offer it before you eat it. This is just a matter of appreciation because this land was given to you. The least you can do is be appreciative of it. It's kind of what he's saying here. Of the first of your dough shall you give unto the Lord and heave offering in all your generations. I said all, but it's not there. In your generations. And if ye have erred and not observed all these commandments which the Lord hath spoken unto Moses, even all that the Lord hath commanded you by the hand of Moses, from the day that the Lord commanded Moses and henceforth among your generations, then it shall be, if aught be committed by ignorance without the knowledge of the congregation, that all the congregation shall offer one young bullock for a burnt offering for a sweet savor unto the Lord with his meat offering and his drink offering according to the manner and one kid offering of the goats for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for all the congregation of the children of Israel and it shall be forgiven them for it is ignorance and ignorance is not a sin, ladies and gentlemen. Despite what some people would have you believe, ignorance is not a sin. So, you can be easily forgiven for making an error out of ignorance. There's a difference when you know better and you do it anyway. That makes it bad. And they shall bring their offering, a sacrifice made by fire unto the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their ignorance. And it shall be forgiven all the congregation of the children of Israel and the stranger that sojourneth among them seeing all the people were in ignorance. Again, there's that word ignorance. Notice that even the uh, strangers or the Gentiles are forgiven, like, likewise the children of Israel. And if any soul sin through ignorance, then he shall bring a she-goat of the first year for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for the soul that sinneth ignorantly. When he sinneth by ignorance before the Lord, to make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. Ye shall have one law for him that sinneth through ignorance, for both him that is born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger that sojourneth among them. But the soul that doth ought presumptuously, meaning you know better and you do it anyway, whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproacheth the Lord. It makes him mad. 
doesn't matter who you are. He doesn't like it. And that soul shall be cut off from among his people. You sound sick, Jake, feeling good. I have COVID. I've uh, I've been down for about three days. Uh, thank you for noticing. Uh, but I'm committed to Bible study, so I'm not going to miss that for nothing or nobody. Doesn't matter if I'm dead, I'm going to be here. So enjoy. Because as soon as this is over, I'm going right back to bed. Because he hath despised the word of the Lord and hath broken his commandment, that soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. Which reminds me, there's a person that just joined us recently. Shepherd is the name. I think it's Michael Shepherd, something like that. Well, I put a community post up Friday because I missed the show Friday. And I said that I have COVID. I'm going to take the night off, try to get better. And uh, he re- re- responded back, COVID? Who told you that? <laughs> you think I'm lying? Or just assuming that I have COVID? So I texted him back and I said, um, the COVID test told me that? Not to mention the fact that the guy I got it from is the only person I've been in contact with, and his test told him that he had COVID. So it's doubly confirmed. So I said, uh, don't calm down with your accusatory tone there, buddy. And he just laughed at me. So I'm not exactly sure where that came from. felt tired today as well so I stayed home all day and tried to do some homework well at least you stayed productive that's good I've been uh, battling a splitting headache and and sore joints all weekend and a fever but I'm about through it I think it's about over with I think maybe by Monday maybe by Tuesday I'll be right as rain And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. Uh Uh-oh. Who is this guy? Is he part of the group? Or is he just wandering around in the desert picking up sticks? Does he even know that it's the Sabbath day? Is he even a God-fearing person? Don't know. And they found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation. They that found him gathering sticks. And they put him in ward. They put him in jail because it was not declared what should be done to him. And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died, as the Lord commanded Moses. That's harsh. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes 
in the borders of their garments throughout their generation. And they put upon the fringe of the border a ribbon of blue, and it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a-whoring, that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. Now, yes, that was a harsh sentence for this man. Don't even know if he was aware of God, but he was, in fact, working on the Sabbath. And God is instructing Israel on how to behave. Remember, they were slaves. They have all but forgotten their religion. And while in the desert, God has been re-educating them as to how to be good Christians, for lack of a better word. They didn't call them that then, but you get my point. Why did he take such a harsh approach on this guy? So that the children of Israel understood the severity of the commandment to do no work on the Sabbath. For all you know, God planted that guy there. Don't know. But what I do know is that these people are peculiar. They are to be set aside from everybody else. They are to be unusual, to have lots of rituals and lots of uh, rules and regulations, more so than anybody else. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Now, they've been given an entire land. They've been given their freedom. They've been re-educated by God himself. So he requires much of them. He requires them to follow the rules. And he gives them all the rules and makes it clear how they should do it. But this is good information for you as well. Although the punishment likely is not as severe for you. But think about what he's saying here. Don't follow after your own desires. Don't follow your own heart. Don't follow your own eyes. Look to God for instruction. This is good common sense to uh, abstain from the wickedness of the world. If you wish to be holy, if you wish to walk in the steps of Christ or somewhere of the like manner, then you have to be righteous. And if you're going to be righteous, that means you have to abstain from the things of the world because everything in the world is wicked or is born of wickedness. It's a, st a steep order, I know, but it is the way God wants it. And if you want to live that life, you got to start thinking this way. Because when you go after your own heart and your own eyes, you ultimately fall into whoredom. And that's just the way it is. So God tells them, put a fringe around the border of your outfits from now on so you can look down and see it and remember the commandments of the Lord. It's a, a visual aid, a reminder. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God, period. That's who God is. And if he wants it, he gets it. Now, Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Korah, Kohath, the son of Levi, 
and Dathan and Abiram, or Abiram, sorry, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. That means they were popular. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. How do you do that? You don't. But they're presuming a lot here. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face, and he spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This is a threat you don't want to receive, ladies and gentlemen, especially coming out of the mouth of Moses, the guy who talks to God directly. That's not the guy you want to um, challenge. And that's what these people are doing. They're challenging Moses, saying, who are you to put yourself above God? Well, he's not. Moses is following the letter of the law. It's the people who are not listening. It's the other way around. This do, take you censers, Korah and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, ye sons of Levi. Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them? Is that such a little thing to you? Do you not understand that God has chosen the Levites to work in the tabernacle? He, he made you priests? That's not a small thing. You're utterly taking that for granted. And he hath brought thee near unto him, and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee. And seek ye the priesthood also? For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord? And what is Aaron that ye murmur against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not come up. It is a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us. You see what they're whining about here? They think Moses is leading them in the desert until they all die so that he can be in charge. 
Uh, that's not what's going on here, but that's what they're thinking. They think Moses is trying to become the, the king or prince or whatever, the, the guy in charge. Moreover, thou hast not brought us into the land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us the inheritance of the fields of, and vineyard, of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Hmm. Well, I tried to bring you into the land flowing with milk and honey, but you kept sinning. You kept disobeying God directly. You kept not following the rules, which is why we're here in the desert walking around in circles, not because of anything I did. Night, Kev. Thanks for dropping in, buddy. Love you. And Moses was very wroth and said unto the Lord, Respect not thou their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. And Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow. Meet me in the park at 3.30. We're going to have a fight. That's basically what they're saying. And take every man his censer, and put incense in them, and bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, two hundred and fifty censers, thou also, and Aaron, each of you his censer. And they took every man his censer, and put fire in them, and laid incense thereon, and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. <clears throat> and the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Ooh. Well, that'll be quick. And they fell upon their faces and said, O oh God! The God of the spirits of all flesh. Shall one man sin? And wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. Good call. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest they, lest ye be consumed in all of their sins. So this has backfired on these people. They thought that they were going to take charge. They didn't have to listen to Moses. They're going to run the roost from now on, because we can do it better than you can, obviously. And God said, Well, how about you just step aside, Moses, and I'll eat them all up right now. And Moses said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're trying to get somewhere here. We're not trying to destroy everybody. Remember, should we destroy the whole conversation because a couple of guys made some idiotic statements? And so now Moses has pleaded with God his case, and God has agreed. So he's telling the people, please, Step away from these guys because they're about to get killed and you don't want to be there 
And by the way, don't touch anything of theirs either. You don't want to get their stank on you because when God comes, he's coming hot. Yeah. And he spake unto the congregation. I read that one. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram, on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of mine own, of mine own mind. Our present condition has nothing to do with anything I've done. I'm following God, but God appointed me to make sure all these things were done, and you need to know it, and you're about to. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath done, and then the Lord hath not sent me. Let me reread that. If these men die the common death of all men, meaning they die of natural causes, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, don't know what that means, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth openeth up her mouth and swallow them up, with all that are pertaineth unto them. And they go down quickly into the pit. Then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Oh, I'm guessing the visitation is when your spirit goes to God. I really don't know how, that, how to articulate that. Um, maybe it's like... Uh, you know how when people say when you die, they think that there's a loved one waiting to take you into heaven, that kind of thing. Maybe that is what the visitation of all men means. Don't know. I haven't died, so I can't, I can't suggest otherwise. But what Moses is saying here is if they die like any other man would die, then know that it's not me sent by God leading you into the promised land. But if something new happens, something you've never seen before, if the earth opens up its mouth and swallows them in their tents whole, then you'll know they've pissed God off. And it came to pass, as he made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. And, it, and all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. Well, keep your mouth shut. How about that? Do as you're told, and you want to worry about that. Apparently, these people don't learn very well. 
And there came out of a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that, offend, that offered incense. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, that he take up the censers out of the burning, and scatter thou the fire yonder, for they are hallowed. The fire is hallowed. So a high priest, Eleazar, Aaron's son, went and took up the censers that were left. They didn't burn up in the fire, just the people did. And then he scattered the ashes that were from the censers and the incense because that's hallowed, because that's a vow to God. So if they're not going to take it seriously, you take it seriously, says God. The censors of these sinners against their own souls, let them make let them make them broad plates for a covering of the altar, for they offered them before the Lord, therefore they are hallowed, and they shall be a sign unto the children of Israel. And Eleazar the priest took the brazen censers, wherewith they that were burnt had offered, and they were made broad plates for a covering of the altar. So they beat the censers into broad plates to be a memorial unto the children of Israel that no stranger, which is not of the seed of Aaron, come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he be not as Korah and his company, as the Lord said to him by the hand of Moses. So let this be a lesson to you all. From this point forward, only the high priests can make offerings to the Lord uh, so that you don't end up being like these guys and getting swallowed up by the earth. And that's where we're going to stop for today, boys and girls. I hope that was uh, enlightening. I hope you learned something. I hope you uh, felt good about it. 1641. That's where we'll pick up tomorrow night. Finish it out. What did you think? How did you like that? Did you learn anything? Did you feel like your brain was turning to mayonnaise? Do you feel enlightened? I believe I said that already. I'm going delirious. Do me a favor and hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online. Smash that like button. It's free. It's right in front of you. It takes no effort at all, and it really does help the channel with the algorithms. It helps us get recommended to other people. Share this video with somebody you love. Better yet, share it with somebody you don't love. Bring them into the family. Make them part of the fold. Be part of their solutions, not part of their problems. Leave comments down below and let me know what you're thinking about. Question me, curse me, bless me, challenge me, confront me, conform with me, drink my Kool-Aid. Make your own Kool-Aid as long as you're thinking critical. That's what I want. Critical thought coming from that brain of yours. And hey, if you love the Word of God and you can see the value in what I'm trying to build here and you'd like to be part of that and you'd like to help out, or if you feel led to send tithes, offerings, or love offerings, or if you'd like to just pat me on the back and say, hey, good job, Jake, I'm with you. You can do that. You can support my work by going to paypal.me slash Band. Or if you're a Cash App user, dollar sign Jake Johnson Band. Every little bit helps. It's a win-win. It's a blessing for me. It's a blessing for you, too. God notices these things. We do live in a reciprocal universe. You know, ask and you shall be answered. Knock 
and it shall be opened unto you. Give, and you shall receive. That's how it works. It's reciprocal, but you have to initiate. God already did his part. And with that, I will take all your questions and comments as we round out tonight's video. All right. Love the read. I'm sleepy. Well, that's good. That means you're tired. I learned God doesn't F around. That's correct. Stick collector on the Sabbath, eh? Death by stoning. I mean, damn, dude. Yeah, that was a bit harsh. Albeit probably necessary for the, the visual. The fact that they all had to participate in it, too. Um, in the old days, especially during this period of time, God made a few harsh stances. But you got to keep in mind that death does not mean the same thing to God as it means to us. That is a hard one to swallow, but it's true. Everyone rest well. Much love to all. Come on back tomorrow. I love you, Jake, and all here. I love you too, April. Thanks for coming, baby. You know, I'm going to have to rewatch parts before I join. Hey, you didn't miss a whole lot. Infuriates me in comparison to see the evil that so many people are embracing and getting away with today. Make no mistake about it, buddy. They are not getting away with it. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean they're not going to get their just desserts. <laughs> I know it feels that way, and I've wrestled with the same as well. Hey, my sister's here. Everybody say hello to Melissa. That's my sister. But listen to me. God sees everything. And just because they're getting away with it right now on this earth, they still have to answer for it everything they do same as you do and i promise you they will not get away with it god's coming for them one way or another but i i do see your point i've had that very same question asked Howdy, ma'am. Missy, MVTV, MBTV, Missy. Anyway, as I was saying before, death does not mean the same thing to God as it means to us. We view death as the end. God knows where, what happens on the other side of it. So he doesn't see it that way, you know. For all we know, he could take that soul and put it right back into the earth in another body, give him a whole other life. You don't know if that's true or not. Don't know how that works. Don't know if it's a possibility. I know the idea came from somewhere, though. And uh, all I do know is that when you're born, you're issued a soul. And when you die, that soul is re re reclaimed, which means it goes back to the father who gave it. That's something we can't see. So we view death as the end, as gruesome, you know. A death is gruesome. It's a mournful act. But not to God. Hmm. 
Yeah, maybe so, but I want to see their reign of terror stopped. I want to see them get some return fire and or jail and or rope. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's not for you to take vengeance. You turn the other cheek and let God do the vengeance. I know this is off topic, but I just saw a video of a 16-year-old girl reject her mom buying her a Tesla for her birthday, and it made me so mad. Why? That a 16-year-old could have a Tesla? Or that she would turn it down? I can't imagine. No, I can what ungrateful entitled weaklings out there today. I'm perfect. <laughs> well, you know, it's a different world, and we're going to have to deal with that one way or another. We do not live in the same world we grew up in. Things mean different things. They have different consequences. They have different costs. Just the fact that she highly ungrateful. Oh, well, maybe. I don't know. I didn't see the video, so I can't really, really talk on it. What was her reason for rejecting it? Do you know? I'll let God be the final vengeance, but sorry, God. If I see something criminal in which someone is getting hurt, it's sore of street justice time. <laughs> so I say, safe in my seat. No, I understand. Believe me, it's a hard job to swallow your pride. That's a hard one. I feel the same way. Like I feel about child molesters. If I catch one, I'm going to cut their head off. But you got to let go and let God sometimes. You got to think about the consequences. You got to think about your family, so forth and so on. I think she said it was a Mercedes she wanted. Oh. Well, yeah, that's an ungrateful little twerp. What she needs is to be punched in the face a couple times and put out into the world to work for her car. I say. When your child turns 16, you should buy him a nice car in a box and let them put it together. And if they can manage it, they get to have it. Hey, y'all. Love you, Jay. I love you too, sis. Thanks for coming. You didn't say much, but I'm glad you're here. I would have taken any car when I was that age. Me too. I had to go out and work for it. Go figure. Me too. <coughs> but if you buy your kid a car in a box and they have to put it together, when they finally get it together, they will know every noise that car makes. They'll know every nut and bolt in it. They'll know exactly where to go to fix the problem, and they'll know how to fix it. And they'll appreciate it because they had to work for it. Those That's good parenting. Can you get away with that? Probably not. 
because this is a different world we live in. Now, if you don't give your kid a phone, that's considered child abuse. Trust me, I know. Don't understand the world we live in today. I can barely function in it. All I can say is I, lo I hope the Lord comes sooner than later. Because if it keeps going the way it's going, there ain't going to be no need for him to come. Because this world's already almost completely lost. So, where exactly do you buy a disassembled car factory? You could buy it. You can buy a car and disassemble it and put it in a box. Besides the junkyard, of course. I'm pretty sure you can order it from a factory. The motor, at least. You could buy the body, and then you could buy the motor. But motor comes in a crate. There's ways to do it. When I was in high school, I didn't have a car. The entire four years, I would bike to school and wishing I had a car. But now I have a car, and life is good. That's right. Well, I had a car. I went out and bought my own car when I was about, how old was I, miss? Probably 13, 12, 13, something like that. And a uh, Ford Maverick bought for 300 bucks and traded a motorcycle. And... uh it didn't have a title, but I drove that somebody everywhere anyway. You bet, buddy. We can get you behind the wheel today. However, <laughs> Ford Maverick. Keep in mind, I didn't graduate not too long ago. How old are you, Bubby Watts? You didn't graduate, or you did graduate, but not too long ago. Or is that a double negative sentence? You're 20? Wow. Oh, I wish I was 20. I'm 20 a couple times. And then some. Turning 21 this year. Well, congratulations, buddy. You'll finally be able to go buy yourself a beer. But, uh... So you're just out of high school then, not too long ago. 99% of the high school friends that had their own cars were all selfish and ungrateful as well. That's because they didn't have to work for it because Daddy bought it for them. But I bought my first car and every one I've had since then pretty much. I did graduate just not too long ago. I got you. You just didn't pass English. I understand. <laughs> not messing with you. <laughs> I do understand. I'm glad you graduated. And hopefully you can put that behind you and now start your real education. Because the one you got in school ain't going to do you much good, unfortunately. And it's worse now. When I was a kid, at least you could learn something in school, but they don't teach you nothing anymore. 21, I remember my first, and my 21st birthday because of all the bigger parties celebrating the end of Civil War. <laughs> yeah. 
I remember my 21st birthday. That's when God invented dirt. Something about let there be light. The strange party. <laughs> well, you guys, I've had a good time tonight. And uh, I'm glad I was able to get it done. I'll see y'all tomorrow night. Hopefully I'll feel better. I guess it's only because I'm too young with people tell me that I'll miss high school. But as of right now, I don't. I couldn't get away from it quick enough. And I ain't looked back ever. I didn't even go to the reunions. High school was fun, but I wouldn't do it again. Me either. And I went straight from high school into college, and I way, way prefer that. Uh, I enjoyed college, because back then, college was academic, and you could learn something. Now, it's all about studies. Anything that ends in the word studies, you stay away from that. That'll, that'll get you nowhere fast. College is much better. Mm -hmm. I remember... I remember what it was like, the, the culture shock. Yeah, we're yammering. You need to relax and sleep, Jake. Go for it. High school for me was a copy of Dazed and Confused. Fun, but left in the past. Mm-hmm. No, I, I hated school. I enjoyed college, but I hated school. I guess it's because I was a little smarter than they were, and it was boring to me. Because when I was a kid, we lived way out in the country, and my sister, seven years older than me, would come home and teach me everything she learned in school. So by the time I got to kindergarten, I had a seventh grade education, around abouts. And, uh, that's just the way it went, and it stayed that way till I finally went to college and then came up against people who actually could think, you know. And that was a big culture shock because I was used to the idiots that were teaching the public school I went to, and I hated it. But when I got to college, that's when I understood about critical thinking, you know, and that there were arguments out there that I wasn't prepared for. And that prepared my mind for other studies. I go to a really cheap school. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Right now, I'm just learning nothing. I hear you. Learn nothing and be in debt. Yep. The best is from now for many decades. Not sure of your age, then probably 16-ish. You might have been in Fort White when you got the car. Nope, it was before that. I was 15 when I went to Fort White. So I had to be 13 when I got my first car because I was still living in Lakeland then. 
I bought that car from Bobby Norton. Bobby Norton was a mechanic that lived down the road, and he'd always had cars out in his front yard that he was working on. And one time he had a black Ford Maverick sitting out there, and I just fell in love with that thing, man. I could see myself cruising all over the place in that car. So I immediately went and bought it from him. I paid him $300 and traded him a motorcycle for it because I was riding a motorcycle at the time. And uh, things were different when I was a kid. You could get away with that then. You can't get away with that now. Knowing you're learning nothing is learning in itself. You realize that and rely on critical thinking of your own. A good sign, really. Yes, it is. All right, Jake, I'm a head off. Good to see you, and I hope you feel better. Thank you, sir. I hope I do, too. I appreciate it. Thank you all for your prayers and your thoughts and your good wishes. And uh, I'm going to sign off myself and go to bed. It's time. I love you. Have a great night. Thank you for being so interesting and having such a great conversation and, you know, just being here. It means a lot to me. It really does. Won't you do me a favor when you go out into the world tomorrow? Be kind to somebody. It's not hard. All you got to do is smile as you pass a stranger, hold the door for an old lady, buy a bum a sandwich, whatever it is you do, just be nice. And I promise you it'll change your life. It'll cause your inner light to shine and people will take notice and they'll want to be part of that. So keep that in mind and be nice. Until tomorrow night at 8.30, right here on the same channel. Not the same time, though. 8.30. Uh, have a great night. Peace out. Thanks for watching.